Hello and welcome to another episode of Solid Steps Radio. If you are just tuning in by accident or on purpose, we thank you for that. This is uh, Chad Russell. I'm the co-host here with Kurt Souter of Further Still Ministries. And uh, this is a show for men, by men, talking about man stuff, stuff that men probably don't talk about enough. We can talk about sports and politics and pop culture stuff, but every now and then we need to talk about the real stuff, the real heavy stuff, you know. So uh, we are talking about a topic today that is just, uh, everybody loves talking about this topic. Everybody does. It's, hey man, it's about money. Well, <laughs> the, the title of the book of the, of, the, of the author here, I'll just kind of give you a sneak peek, it's called Money and Marriage. So I got a funny, this past weekend, I shared this story with you, <laughs> that um, I was putting up some bunk beds with my boys and actually Jalen's in the room with us. Hey, wave Jalen. Yeah, you're not on the radio, but just wait. Okay. Yeah, so, it is great to have your boy here. Yeah, with us. so one, one of the five boys yes. is here. So we were putting up bunk beds this weekend, and uh, there was kind of a tense moment. Maybe Dad was probably being a little frustrated with himself or with one of the kids or the directions. I'm sure that's what it was. And my wife was in the other room. Jenna was in the other room, <laughs> and she was doing some work. We're doing some moving. We got all four boys in one room now. Four of the five in one room. It's like That's a barracks exciting. now. Yeah, it's exciting is a good word for it. So, And so we're moving stuff around, painting, shifting rooms around. And I was in there working, and Jenna walks down the hall. And as she hears me kind of barking a little bit or whatever I was doing at the moment, she sticks her head in. She goes, what's going on? <laughs> now, what I hear her say is, pardon me, Chad, you have no idea how to parent. <laughs> And I'm going to interrupt and take this over and make sure I do and, this and right. And straighten you right, out. Right. Now, of course, we then decided to have a little discussion off on the side for about an hour. Honey, we need to go to the other room and have a discussion. <laughs> and of course, uh, she, you know, she goes, "I did not mean that." I go, "I know. That's what I heard. You know what we hear." So we were. Ju- we, the point we got to was we have to parent on the same page, mm. right? We got to parent on the same page. Whether we approach it differently or not, we have to be on the same, we're a team. Mm. And so the title of a book of our author we're gonna talk about today is Money and Marriage, and that's one topic that a lot of people are not on the same page about. That that, that can be very um, uh, interesting. Yes. Um, Money and marriage. So it is great to have Matt Bell with us today. Welcome, Matt. Thank you, Kurt and Chad. Great to be here. It's uh, it's an honor to have you here. And uh, so, tell us before we actually jump into things. You are married to Jude. You've been married how long? Seventeen years. Just celebrated our seventeenth. That's awesome. Congratulations. Thank you. And you've got a few kids. Three kids. Yep. Twelve, ten, and seven. That keeps things hopping at home. Definitely, especially with the summer activities. And you have been you've been studying money, finances, stewardship, that whole thing for how long? Ever since I recreated the Bible story of the prodigal son. So uh, when I was in my mid-20s, I inherited some money, just like the prodigal son, went to some distant countries and squandered that money. And I'm not so sure it was wild living, but I was basically chasing a dream and um, ended up moving home, came back, came to my senses, moved home uh, with my earthly parents, and that's where I discovered my Heavenly Father. Um, It was that kind of breaking, humbling experience to take a $60,000 inheritance and in two years 
time transform it into 20 grand of credit card debt because when the money ran out, I just kept funding this dream life I was living and uh, using credit cards and just very blind to what was happening. And so it was through that humbling, embarrassing, depressing experience of squandering what, what felt to me like a, a once-in-a-lifetime opportunity that uh, a good friend reached out and shared his faith, and I was, I was receptive. So, so your uncle gives you 60 grand. Yeah. And you just blow it. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, I like to think, you know, and people hear the story and they say, well, gee, you were doing a good thing. You were starting a business. I, I was trained as a journalist. I love to play golf. I love to travel. And so I created this newsletter for golfers who like to travel. And really, it was an excuse for me to go play some great golf courses. Um, but I really did have dreams that it might actually turn into a viable business, something I would love to do all of my, all of my life, but just was very focused on the creative side of it, not very focused on the business <laughs> side of it. And that uh, didn't uh, turn out well from a financial standpoint, but it turned out great from a spiritual standpoint. Yes, because the Lord used all of that to direct you to Him and draw you to Him, and that's right. Life has been forever changed. Yeah, and I was living in the, in the Chicago area at the time, and so my first church. I was in my mid twenties, late twenties at that time, and my first church was Willow Creek Community Church, a oh, yeah. little corner church in a small part of uh, the Chicago area. Um, but they had a financial ministry, and that was I, I had never heard of a church teaching about money before, and so that was eye-opening to me to start to learn about all of the many things that the Bible says about money, and I just loved serving in that ministry, and so I've been serving ever since in some capacity. So for the last, almost, what, two-plus decades, you've, you've been, uh, you've just been going after learning and, and what you do for a living. Yeah. To, to tell us what you do for a living. Yeah, it's a real blessing to be able to, to work in this area for a living. So I've been with a company here in Louisville called Sound Mind Investing since 2012. Uh, prior to that, I was on my own in the Chicago area writing and speaking at churches and uh, doing some various writing about biblical money management. And then uh, in late 2011, I interviewed a guy from Sound Mind Investing. I'd known about Sound Mind Investing for a long time, always had a lot of respect for the organization, knew about it, but didn't know that that much about it. So I decided to interview one of their guys for a blog I was writing. And a few weeks later, he called up and he said, hey, we had a guy that left recently. And would you be open to the idea? And so one thing led to another. And here we are. Was that Austin who called you? It was actually Mark Biller, uh, the executive editor of Soundmind Investing. But fairly soon after that conversation, as we started having more serious conversations, my wife Jude and I were invited to come to Louisville from Chicago and meet Austin and the rest of the folks that work there. And uh, we just sensed it was really um, of God and, and the right thing to do. So. Uh Austin's a dear friend, and uh, we're gonna wave. We're gonna wave at Austin because he's in the, in the studio here, um, but he's not. Uh, he, he's just listening. He's listening in. He's he's conveying his wisdom by being here. That's that's right. <laughs> that's good. So, um, you, and, and so what you do day in and day out is is right. I mean, I write about biblical money management. So we publish an investment newsletter. That's the core of what we do at Sound Money Investing. And so I'm writing articles about all aspects of wise money management. Some of them lend themselves uh, to some very overt unpacking of the scriptures as it relates to the topic. Some of it's just really practical stuff. You know, do I choose a Roth IRA or traditional IRA? Scripture is silent on, on that topic as many specific topics like, like that. But we bring biblical principles and a biblical worldview to everything that we write about and then it just gets all it's it's all over 
all over America and beyond. It's through the internet. I mean, much of our content's available for anybody. It's simply the name of the organization, soundmindinvesting.com. And then we publish an investment newsletter. And so people subscribe to the newsletter. We have about 8,000 subscribers and, and we convey specific investment advice. So people follow our investment strategies, our specific mutual fund-based recommendations, and they look to us every month for guidance about that. Mm. That's cool. It's fun. I mean, it's really a privilege. I really think, I mean, I, I just love this entire space of, of writing and teaching and continuing to learn myself about biblical money management and the really practical applications of it, because I think I think it's I think it's surprising for many people to realize that the Bible there are over two people have counted have counted over two thousand verses in Scripture that relate some way to money and material things. That's you know God's word says a lot about this topic. It tells you the importance of this topic, and so I love the idea of continuing to explore this and continuing to look at what are the really practical ways that we can follow God and express our faith through our use of money. Okay, so. Um you you wrote a book called Money and Marriage, yeah. and, and you wrote that because of, a, of the passion that you have to help couples. Yeah, I think that's it's one of the key issues. I think you know, there's a lot of uh, people that talk about the fact that money is a very uh, challenging topic within marriage, and, and so it felt like, boy, if I could reach out to specifically, the book is really targeted toward engaged or newly married, so five years or less is kind of the broad uh, time frame of marriage I'm looking at and trying to speak into their lives, because... I think when couples get married, they bump up against this one fairly quickly, and they don't realize that it takes more than just knowledge of, you know, like we're talking about Roth versus traditional. It, it, you're bumping up against your life experiences, how you were parented, what your parents did with money. You're, you're bumping up against temperament issues. There's so much when it comes to bringing man and woman together in marriage to doing the money thing well together. And so this book is trying to speak into that. And, and really what you're after is, you know, you know, a, a philosophical approach of looking at money and all that. Talk about that just a little bit, and then we're going to have to take a break in a couple minutes. Sure. Yeah, it really does start there. It starts with the big picture of understanding as Christ followers, you know, that I, I think the mistake is to jump too quickly into the practical. People want the practical, we want to give the practical, and that's needed and necessary. But I, but it does start with that, as you say, philosophy of money, that, that worldview, that big picture. And so in the parable of the talents, Jesus really unpacks what is our relationship with God and money to be. God is the owner of everything. We've been temporarily entrusted with some of his resources to be managed for his purposes, and one day the master is going to return and take an accounting of how we did with his resources. And so the idea of being a steward is very different than being a consumer, which is the term we hear in our culture. And actually, if you look at the term consumer, by definition, it means to use up and to squander and to waste. You know, that's not exactly our biblical call as, as Christ followers to use up be and... Be constantly <laughs> consuming. That's right. And so, you know, we're, 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 we're taught to manage well his resources for his purposes. And so I look at the book and other writings about, you know, that's our identity. We're stewards. We're managers of his resources. What are our purposes? They're to glorify God. They're to love other people well. They're to, as Ephesians talks about, about, use our gifts and talents to make a difference with our lives, and then we can start to look at more practical daily uses of money. Wow. So uh, we're going to unpack that a little bit more in our, in our next segment, but we need to take a break. Yep. We're going to come back here in a minute and talk more with Matt Bell, author of Money and Marriage, a guide for engaged and newly married couples. And I'm sure people who've been married a few more years can learn a few things too probably, as well. Probably yeah. do, yeah. So we'll take a break. Thanks for listening, and we'll be back here shortly on Solid Steps Radio. 
Welcome back to our second segment of Solid Steps Radio. And if you want to hear our first segment or any past episodes, you can go to our soundcloud.com. You can go to iTunes. You can go to facebook.com forward slash Solid Steps Radio. You just type Solid Steps Radio and you can hear all of our past episodes almost coming up on a year's worth in October. And we've got plenty of past episodes about everything you need to you need or don't need to hear, right? <laughs> and today we're talking about uh, money and marriage. And speaking of money, if you're going to spend your hard-earned money on some new floors, you need to go Carpet to Carol Rogers Carpet One. <laughs> That's called a segue. You like that? Pretty nice. <laughs> that was good. Yeah. So, and also speaking of money, Ellen and Credit Union yes. is also a sponsor of our show. So we got the basis covered here with uh, our financials. So uh, please look into uh, spending some money with those sponsors if you ever need new flooring or need some financial needs. Ellen and Credit Union and Carol Rogers Carpet One. So we're, Matt, Matt Bell is with us, and Matt, uh, you you have a great story about when you meet your bride-to-be, and she's making a lot less money than you, and uh, tell us about what's going on there. She was working in full-time ministry, working for Campus Crusade for Christ, or Crew as it's known now. I was working in corporate America, and as we got to know each other and started to get a little more serious in our relationship, and we started to talk a little bit more about our financial situations, it became clear, clear to me that she actually had more savings than I had. She had a newer paid-off car than I had. She you know, was doing these things with money, and here I am, I'm the guy that teaches, I serve in stewardship ministry, and you know, now... What's the problem here? <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, I had gone through this dramatic financial crash and burn of you know, going deep in debt, and, and I was still... I, I had recovered from that. I was out of debt by the time that we met. But still, that was a serious kind of hole to be digging out of. So, yeah. uh, but she'd been doing things well for a long time, and I remember asking her, you know, how is it that you're you're making relatively little money living in an expensive city, Chicago, and you seem content, and you've got you know the tangible evidence of of managing money well? And she said, well, I just thought that's how you do it. I just thought you'd live within your means. <laughs> I had to laugh because you know, in essence, a lot of money management is pretty simple. But we complicate it, and, and people don't do that. We don't typically live within our means. You know, we're able to use credit cards and to live a life that's bigger than than our means. But she just was in the habit, and she has this great temperament that's really well suited for wise money management. So she's she had she had a few things to teach me about money. And you tell the story in your book about she's walking down the street in some fancy hat. Right. And uh, tell, tell us that story. <laughs> yeah. So she was stopped on a street by a woman who was clearly, the way the woman was dressed, she was clearly uh, a fairly wealthy woman. She was very well dressed. And she noticed a hat that Jude was wearing. It was wintertime. And it was this kind of, you know, faux leopard skin print hat. And, and the woman really admired the hat. And she had to know, where did Jude get this hat? And she was a little taken aback by the answer because not only did Jude get it at a, at a uh, I forget if it was Salvation Army or, or Goodwill, but it was a, a shop like that. But not only had she gotten it there, she got it for free because they couldn't sell it. They were just going to throw it away and she was able to get it for free. So I'm not so sure that that woman was looking for that type of answer. Wow. You know, I mean, that, that's that's so true in life. I mean, we look at other people and we and that, that whole money issue and, and what you mentioned about contentment, that is powerful. Yeah, it's it's hard to get there, and I think I think one of the keys. I mean, I don't think it's easy to live a contented life in this culture because the culture just surrounds us. I think that it's I think advertising and marketing has become so pervasive that we don't even notice it anymore. And and the messages that are so prevalent every day. 
they do harm to contentment. And I think, I mean, I hate to be too prescriptive, too prescriptive about it because I think there's a danger in saying there's three steps to contentment kind of thing. I think it's a journey. But I do think that gratitude and truly giving thanks on a regular basis for what we do have mm-hmm. is one really helpful step toward uh, living a contented life in a very materialistic culture. Uh, Paul says, but godliness with contentment yeah. is great gain. Right, right. For we brought nothing into this world, and it is certain we will take nothing out of it. Yeah, that's true. And that, see, that's the fascinating part of money to me. You know, there are a lot of really practical things, and Scripture gets very practical on some aspects of, of money. But the more interesting aspects for me are those attitudinal factors that how do we live as Christ followers? You know, how do we live in the recognition that this is not our home? You know, heaven is our intended home. We're, we're visitors here. How do we live in this materialistic consumer culture as Christ followers and, and maintain a contented spirit? I think that that's noticeable to people when we do, and I think it's, it's a challenge. So how, so not, not with three easy steps to move towards contentment, but how, how do we move in that direction? Yeah. Besides, besides giving thanks and having a heart of gratitude, hmm. what, what, are, what are some other things that we can biblically embrace so that we can have more contentment? Yeah. I think part of it comes down to that big picture we started talking about, that philo- philosophical perspective of what really matters in life. Can we take a step back and say what truly matters? And what matters is our relationship with Christ, what matters is our relationship with other people, and what matters is that sense that we're here doing what we were designed to do. It's, it's interesting to me, I've, I've looked at the secular researchers who've looked at human happiness, and it's fascinating to me the degree to which their findings really line up with what the Bible teaches. So, you know, it should be no surprise. Really? Right? But, but it's fascinating. And so, you know, they say that, that, you know, it's not that money is a horrible thing or material things are a horrible thing, but they say don't love money and things, love people. That's where happiness is found. People live a happier, more contented life when they live in relationship with other people. They say, um, make a difference with your life. You know, I talk about not living a life of competition, but living a life of contribution. And then the most important thing, there was, it was I actually laughed out loud when I read this one book by a secular researcher who said, here's the key. He said, the key is to live for something bigger than us and the bigger that something is, the more meaning in our lives. Well, it's not about something, it's about someone, of course. And so, you know, and so what does that mean practically? So, so it means that as we think about a decision like buying a house, so you're drawn to the idea of the granite counters, and there's nothing, you know, unbiblical about granite counters, but we're drawn to certain aspects of the house that if we think about it through those filters of, of loving God and loving people and making a difference, Maybe that would lead us to a different house decision. Maybe one that we don't have the hour-long commute that we chose because of the great house, but, but we realize that's going to do damage to our relationships that really matter. And so I think if we can start to orient our lives around loving God well, loving the people in our lives well, and using our God-given gifts and talents and passions to make a difference with our life, that those three things, those three big picture things do actually foster a, a life of contentment. Mm, that's good stuff. That's awesome stuff. I, I love what you said about contribution. We're, we're here to contribute. Yeah, and that's huge. And especially, you think about it within the context of marriage, to be able to partner with your spouse 
in that process of making a difference. So, you know, Jude was involved in full-time ministry when we got married. I was involved in some uh, financial ministry and still am to some degree. Um, but to come together in some intersections where maybe you're leading a small group together or maybe you've got some other vision for ministry together, as, as you can speak to much better than I can, um, you know, these are the things that that's that's where the good stuff is found. Mm. You know, you, we're, and, and it's fine to go and play some golf. I still like to play golf on, the, on occasion. <laughs> it's fine to have some recreation and some hobbies and take a vacation and all those things. Um, but ultimately, the things that I think will be most satisfying, one of the things will be doing those kind of outward-focused things, living an other-centered life instead of what the consumer culture encourages, which is more of an inward-focused life. Wow, that's... That's the ri- I mean, that's when, when, Paul, when Paul says, "But godliness with contentment mm-hmm. is great gain." Yeah, that, that's what he's, that's the gain. Yeah, I mean, it turns out there is something in it for us when we live that way. When we live to serve others, when we live to use our resources, yeah, our gifts financially, right, our, 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 our material things. When we use those things to bless others, right, it's what Jesus said: "It's more blessed to give." Yeah. Than to receive. That's right. And and kids can catch that vision as they see us uh, doing that sort of thing. One of the things I love uh, to encourage parents to do is to support. There's various ministries that support other kids in other countries that have a lot less. And so as kids can connect with other kids their age in other parts of the world that have so much less, that can be a fascinating way to bring this sense of generosity and kind of cultivate that in their hearts. Wow. So... Let's just switch gears just a little bit and talk um, the kid thing. Um, how do we um, we got to model it? But what are some other practical things that we can do to transfer this biblical philosophical approach to stewardship? to our next generation? Yeah, that's a great question. And that's so important because I think that I think that money is one of the most important topics that's typically not taught in school. And so we really have an especially significant responsibility as parents to bring this to our kids. And, and you mentioned being a role model. That's the single most important thing is to be living this life ourselves of really understanding what the Bible teaches about money and having our kids see that because they catch that from us just by observation. But I also encourage, I teach some workshops about how to teach parents how to teach their kids about money and and I talk about these three roles so there is the role model there's also the gatekeeper and the teacher and so you know one of the hardest words for a parent to say many times that's so important is the word no (laughs) and uh, you know it's hard you want your kids to be happy you want them to have things but if we can serve that gatekeeper role Mm -hmm. so for example many parents today there are I forget the exact numbers but there's a surprising number of kids that have TVs in their bedrooms or computers in their bedrooms, that's giving marketers and so many other bad influences direct access to our kids. The gatekeeper role has been removed. It used to be that parents watch TV with their kids, but now so much is being done directly by the kid. And so we need to still step up and play that gatekeeper role. In fact, the the best book on parenting I've never read is just the title of the book has spoken to me, and that is Be the Parent. You know, we need to step up sometimes and just say no and create structures and, and rules and regs in the house that you know, we're not going to have a TV or a computer in your room. It's going to be in a public place. We're going to have that kind of um, setup in our house. And then... And we're going to take a break sure. right there because we, we're, we're going to come back to that in the next segment of how do we continue to pour into our kids and do that effectively 
in, in the area of stewardship. We'll take a break on Solid Steps Radio. We'll be right back with our third segment with Matt Bell, author of Money and Marriage on Solid Steps Radio. 